Hi everyone, been a long gap, huh? Wow, so many things are happening around us, right? Aina City getting announced, Aina City getting cancelled. At this point, what surprises me is I'm not even surprised anymore. Maybe because we all are learning how to deal with this uncertainties in a better way. And you know what? Kudos for that. Yeah. Alright, continue with the episode of Inner Ear and I'm going to start with anatomy, obviously. So here I go. Inner ear lies in the petrous part of the temporal bone. It is made up of bony labyrinth and membranous labyrinth. Bony labyrinth or OT capsule consists of three structures, first one cochlea, second one vestibule and third one semicircular canals. Vestibule is a part of bony labyrinth and it connects cochlea to semicircular canals. Semicircular canals are three in number, first one is lateral or horizontal, second one superior vertical and third one posterior. The three canals are connected to vestibule via five openings. Actually, one limb of each posterior and superior canal fuse with each other forming crus commune. Cochlea is the round part of bony labyrinth and apex of cochlea will measure low frequency sounds while base of cochlea will measure high frequency sounds. The basal turn of cochlea normally takes two and three foot turn around the central pyramid called as modiolus. If cochlea has only one and a half turn, it is called as mondinous dysplasia of cochlea and it is to be treated with cochlear implant surgery. Cut section of cochlea will have three compartments separated by two membranes, scalar vestibuli above, scalar media in between and scalar tympani below. Scalar vestibuli and media are separated by resinous membrane while scalar media and tympani are separated by basal membrane. The scalar vestibuli and tympani are the part of the bony labyrinth and they are filled with perilymph. They communicate with each other at apex called as helicotrema forming a single continuous cavity. Membranous labyrinth or otic labyrinth is made up of four structures namely first one scalar media, second one uterine saccule, third one semicircular duct, fourth one endolipatic sac and endolipatic duct. Scalar media also known as cochlear duct sandwiched between the two parts of bony labyrinth is actually the part of membranous labyrinth. Onto the basilar membrane that is separating membrane of scala media and tympani sits the sensory organ of hearing that is organ of corti. Organ of corti has hair cells which are responsible for sound conduction through vestibulocochlear nerve. Scala media is filled with endolymph and it is secreted by strivascularis and it is absorbed through endolymphatic sac. One important point is often asked is that they ask about endocochlear potential which is plus 80 millivolts and it is contributed by sodium potassium atypase pump present in the strivascularis and provides energy for cochlear transduction. I don't know why is that important but that is important. Moving ahead, the endolymph has got more of potassium and less of sodium and perilymph is rich in sodium and less in potassium. Perilymph is actually filtrate of CSF and it is drained back from scalar tympani to subarachnoid space via cochlear duct. Talking about uterine saccule, uterine saccule are seen within the vestibular part of bony labyrinth. The sensory epithelium of uterine saccule is called as macula and it is concerned with linear acceleration and momentum. Ductus reunions is the structure which joins scalar media to saccule. Semicircular ducts are seen inside semicircular canals as the name says. The ampullated part of each of the duct contains a thickened ridge of neuroepithelium called as cristampularis. It is associated with angular momentum. While endolipatic duct is formed by union of two ducts, one each from secular neutricle, it connects utricle and secular to endolymphatic sac. 
endolymphatic sac is terminal dilated part of endolymphatic duct and it is situated in between the two layers of dura in the posterior part of ventral bone one important point in anatomy is remaining that is blood supply of labyrinth it is from ica ica is an anterior inferior cerebral artery that was about anatomy part and i'll be moving ahead with clinical scenarios and they are going to be quite thorough so listen nicely and aramse the sensory organ of macula is surrounded by a gelatinous layer called as otolith it contains calcium carbonate particles and if they get dislodged into the semicircular canal they can cause benign paroxysmal positional vertigo most commonly it is seen in posterior semicircular canal BPPV is diagnosed with the help of Dix-Hall pipe maneuver and it is treated with Eplis or cement maneuver. If it is not treated with any such maneuvers, we go for singular neurectomy because this nerve supplies posterior semicircular canal. There is this test which checks the functioning of lateral semicircular canal. That is biothermocaloric test in which the patient is put in a position so as to make 30 degrees with horizontal and his external artery canal is irrigated with warm that is 44 degrees and cold that is 30 degrees of water this will produce an astagmus actually this finding is known as vestibular ocular reflex it is a normal finding for functioning lateral semicircular canal we can remember the finding with the help of cow's mnemonic that is with cold waters eyes will move to the opposite side and with warm water they would move to the same side as that of where the water has been put the electrical recording of nystagmus is done by electronystagmography and it is charted on butterfly chart it's time for hearing loss as in topic of hearing loss right hearing loss is of two types that is conductive and sensory neural and they are investigated primarily with tunifoc tests which are rinnes and webers also with the help of gallais test bing test gallais and bing are used to diagnose otosclerosis and stenger test is used for malingering patients we also use absolute bone conduction test and schwabach's test there are two types of sensory neural hearing losses cochlear and retrocochlear and they both are investigated with the help of several tests first one is tone decay test in which normal person can hear the tone decay till 60 seconds while person with retrocochlear deafness can hear it till only 10 seconds in retrocochlear hearing loss speech discrimination score is 40% and on increasing the intensity of the sound the sds score falls further and this is known as rollover phenomenon also the acoustic reflex delay tone decay and autoacoustic emission are present in retrocochlear hearing loss and they are absent in cochlear one in bera testing of retrocochlear hearing loss there would be only first wave present and the rest are affected or absent while in cochlear hearing loss the first wave is delayed and the rest are normal one important test for cochlear hearing loss is cc that is short increment sensitivity index In this normal people will have 30 to 50% of normal score while people with cochlear disease will have more than 70%. Recruitment phenomenon is peculiar feature seen in cochlear hearing loss. It is abnormal perception of loudness. Bera is the objective test of hearing and it has got seven waves and the most important one is wave 5 produced by lateral lemniscus. Autoacoustic emission is a test in which we hear the echoes from healthy cochlea. 
This hearing test is usually used for new needs and that for high-risk babies or NICU babies we use better. In noise-induced hearing loss, there is characteristic dip at 4000 Hz which is known as Boiler's Notch. In age-induced hearing loss, the PTA will show stopping audiogram. All these tests that I mentioned earlier are quite important and they carry a heavy weightage in the exam. So it's better to clarify all the confusing areas, especially recruitment phenomenon and rollover phenomenon. I know I get confused, so I'll be telling that you have to study the exam. Okay, moving ahead. Sudden sensory neural hearing loss. As the name suggests, it is a sudden hearing loss of minimum 30 decibels on at least three frequencies and happened during interval of three days. It is to be treated with oral steroids or transtympanic injection of dexamethasone using microvix. And obviously, one important thing is auditory pathway. The mnemonic is Ecolima. E as in eighth nerve, Co as in cochlear nucleus, Oli as in superior olivary complex, Ma as in lateral lemniscus and inferior colliculi. Stapedial reflex has afferent of eighth nerve and efferent of contraction of stapes from seventh nerve. Vestibular evoked marginic potential is the test for functioning of inferior division of 8th nerve. When the saccula is stimulated with loud sounds, synocular mastoid contracts. It is known as vestibulocolic reflex. In semicircular canal dehiscence, the audiometry will show conducting hearing loss, although it's a sensory neural hearing loss. This is called as round window phenomenon. There would be a vertigo on hearing loud sound, this is known as Thule phenomenon. Here, WEM testing will nicely show contraction of sternocleidomastoid. We treat this condition surgically. Now we dive into very important four diseases of autosclerosis, acoustic neuroma, globus jugulum, and Meniere's disease. First, we'll be starting with autosclerosis. Autosclerosis or autospongiosis is the disease of otic capsule, mainly seen in females of 20 to 40 years of age, especially during stresses such as pregnancy. It is autosomal dominant in inheritance, therefore it will lead to bilateral progressive conducting hearing loss. Rarely it can involve cochlea, then it will lead to mixed hearing loss. It will show blue mantle sign of Manessa on histopathology. Its most common site of origin is fistula antifenestrium lying in front of oval window. Here we can see fixation of foot plate of stapes. The patient of this disease can hear better in noisy area and this phenomenon is known as paracusis villisi. On examination, the tympanic membrane will appear normal but few patients might show short sign that is flamingo pink appearance of tympanic membrane. In pure tone audiogram of this patient, there is characteristic dip in bone conduction at 2000 Hz that is Carhartt's notch. The treatment is steparotomy or steparotomy which is done via Rosen's endometrial incision. It is followed by putting of stapes piston prosthesis. For patients with short sign positive, we give sodium fluoride tablet leading to stabilization of disease. Now we look for acoustic neuroma or vestibular schwannoma. It arises from cerebellopontine angle. It will mostly be unilateral, hence patient will complain with unilateral slowly progressive hearing loss. First cranial nerve to be involved after 8th nerve is 5th nerve. Involvement of facial nerve will lead to loss of sensation of the posterior wall of external artery canal which is called as Hitzelberger sign. 
Sensory fibers are affected first followed by motor fibers as motor fibers of facial nerve are quite resistant. It is investigated with gadolinium enhanced MRI and surgery is the mainstay of the treatment. Else we can go for gamma knife therapy or cyber knife. It, the, the knife therapy is indicated in old or small tumors less than 2 cm and when the hearing is to be preserved. Now we discuss about Meniere's disease. It is endolymphatic hydrops or glaucoma of ear. Its characteristic triad is episodic vertigo, fluctuating hearing loss and tinnitus. Usually vertigo, nausea and vomiting are followed by hearing loss. Sometimes the vice versa can happen. It is called as Lermoyer's syndrome. The PTA will show lower frequency losses being affected first. Sometimes the patient just falls off without getting unconscious. This is known as Tumatkin sign. In between the episodes, the loud sounds are perceived even louder. This phenomenon is known as recruitment phenomenon. And patient will also complain of vertigo on hearing loud noise. This is known as Tulio phenomenon. These few characteristic points are very important to be known in Meniere's disease. Also, as there is low frequency sensorineural hearing loss in early stages, the PT will show rising audiogram. The normal value of electrocochleography is 0.3. It is actually ratio of summation potential to action potential. If the ratio is 0.4 or more, then it is diagnostic of Meniere's disease. Electrocochleography along with glycerol testing is diagnostic of Meniere's disease. We try to medically manage such patients with the help of drugs. If not, we go for vestibular neurectomy. If still not corrected by drugs, we can go for decompression of endolymphatic sac using Donaldson's line. If still not corrected, we go for Meniere's device. If we do not want to preserve the hearing, we can also go for chemical labyrinthectomy by transtympanic injection of gentamicin using microvix or surgical labyrinthectomy. Now is the time for glomus jugulif. It is most common benign encapsulated, highly vascular, slow-growing tumor commonly seen in females. It arises from glomus cells lying around jugular foramen. Thus, it involves all the cranial nerves arising from jugular foramen. When it erodes the hypotympanum, it is called as rising sun sign. When it erodes the tympanic membrane, it will show red bleeding mass pulsating vigorously and then blanches on signalization. This is known as brown sign. The tumor is staged with the help of fish staging. The clinical features here are pulsatile tinnitus, which is synchronous with pulse. Also, it can be temporarily blocked by applying character pressure. There is this topic of hearing aids and first one is obviously cochlear implant which works on the principle of electrical stimulation of 8th nerve. So prerequisite for cochlear implantation is functioning of 8th nerve. It is indicated in profound sensory neural hearing loss and it has got two components, external one and internal one. External one has got microphone, speech processor, transmitter and obviously battery. And internal one is receiver or stimulator or electrode. It is planted on scalar tympani of cochlea through round window after doing cortical masseoidectomy and posterior tympanotomy. 
ratio versus here is actually very helpful landmark second one is auditory brain stem implant it is indicated when the eighth nerve is damaged auditory brain stem implant is planted in the lateral recess of fourth ventricle it stimulates cochlear nucleus and olivary complex third one is bone anchored hearing device it is indicated when there is anosia of the external ear and hearing loss is present also it is indicated when external auditory canal is undergoing atresia stenosis or in cases of chronic discharging ear or unilateral severe sensory neural hearing loss it works on the principle of contralateral routing of signal the fourth one is vibrate sound bridge it is alternative in sensory neural hearing loss it has got floating mass transducer it is clipped to the long process of incus and only few points of eustachian tube are important which are test for et patency that is pneumatic otoscopy nasopharyngoscopy valsalva maneuver et catheterization and pollitzer test while for et functioning we do toin bees test tympanometry saccharin testing and sonotubometry i think i've safely completed all of the important topics in ent and that was about my ent series and hopefully i'll be doing some other subject as well so keep listening and take care bye bye